Welcome to Help 100 Schools. As a professional in education dedicated to expanding enrollment, you're already a fundamental part of this movement. We are here together to amplify the positive ripple effect that comes from advancing education. We're committed to keeping listeners inspired with timely lessons, valuable stories, and insights from brilliant minds and dedicated hosts. Our mission is a collective effort. Together, let's make a difference in spirit and in action to help 100 schools grow. Welcome, everybody, to the third episode of the Help 100 Schools podcast. And uh, I'm your host, Carl Bohm, the founder and chief growth strategist over at Everest Private School Growth Group. We're a digital communications firm that specifically helps private schools. And I've been helping private schools for over 10 years now. And I am joined by my colleague and co-host, as we have been, Rich Suddy. Welcome, Rich. Morning. Good morning. And uh, for those who uh, have not been with us previously, we are in our third episode discussing the private school moment. And if you don't recall, Rich has served in roles across the expanse of education, including governance, private, faith-based, K-12 through schools, undergraduate, graduate education. He started teaching as an instructor pilot in the Navy. Before going into private education, he ended his career as an assistant dean and professor researching in the area of institutional leadership and advancement, and uh, and he's a rock star. <laughs> so everyone, if you did not watch those episodes previously, you should go ahead and do so. However, I just to catch you up, we were talking about how all of the recent events have culminated to make this the moment for private schools. And from the post-pandemic pressures and the poor performance of public schools and uh, what's going on in society today have all created this moment that there's huge opportunities for. And with the School of Choice program, there's opportunities to leverage. And what we want to talk about now is where do we go from here? You know, Rich is one of the many things I like about Rich is Rich has a real keen eye for research and trends that schools should capitalize on. So Rich, I think that that might be a good segue for you. Have a, Where do you think that we go from here? Yeah, and you're right. It is a moment and it is a time and it's a time to do a couple of different things. And we've already chatted about those, but good morning to you. I just need you to know that we start out a little early this morning and this coffee cup's not quite empty, but I'm going to waive my normal policy. All right. So there you have it. And uh, just generous, so that we Rich. can do this. This is so we can do this. And yeah, rock star, huh? Well, we all aspire in some in front of a mirror or something like that to be a rock star. But you can't really, I guess, be a rock star until you write a book in this field. So I guess you and I need to write books and co-author a book on something, and we'll look into that. And then I guess people give you status. So I don't have that, but I do have a passion for private education and this moment here in the United States. I know it's also happening around the world in different varieties, but here in the United States, there is a, a distinctive movement happening. We defined it as a moment that's been building for the last three years. The irony and the paradox both of COVID was that it caused families to rethink the education and the schooling for their children, probably for the first time in decades. 
where they had felt pretty comfortable where they were, but they were really fairly ignorant of where their children were. And that ignorance came home to their living room. And so now the transparency and what's happening and what isn't happening is influencing hundreds and hundreds and, and thousands of families to start to think about it, rethink it, and make choices. At the same time, given that states are particularly responding to that as well, and several states, as you know, are moving toward different forms of school choice, which makes it easier and better for families to move to private education, private schooling, K-12, and it's even influencing undergraduate decisions as well. But and so that's a big deal. And there's multiple, we're going to do this. I know we're going to do a, a series on school choice all to itself in the future. And we'll go through all the different variations and what that looks like and what opportunities work. So show some graphs about which states are doing what. And right around the corner, there are six states right now that legislation is moving through the local state governments. And we could see even more movement there. So what should a private school be thinking about during the private school moment, if that's it? Well, obviously growth, right? So they've got to be prepared, and I'm sure they're already inundated, have been for two years now, inundated with inquiry, inundated with admissions questions, and if their admissions department wasn't ready for it, if their enrollment strategies weren't quite ready for it, they already know the stress they feel there. So the moment says, hey, let's build up our resources and shore up our processes for growth. And if they've reached capacity where they're at, they're obviously having meetings with their boards and their lead administrators and their key influential parents and, and sponsors about what does that mean? Do we stand fast? Do we stay where we are and just do some things to improve excellence perhaps? Or do we consider, well, doing that, but also looking at building a new building or acquiring a new building or a new facility? And that dominates the discussion. It really does. So we know what's going on out there. There's a lot of talk about what should we be doing. And here we are, actually, as we start a new school year, just before August of 23. And those discussions probably have evolved to a point where there's some early markers. People are already talking about, well, if this happens, then maybe we do this. And if this happens, then we can do that. And they're already making moves. We know several capital campaigns, for instance, are underway across the country. But today we wanted to focus on not only the good news, but weirdly, perhaps, the cautionary tip of what are the threats that if you're not looking at those at the same time and you're only looking at the opportunities, then maybe you're setting yourself up. Right. Sounds good. I mean, well, threats are not good, but it's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you and I have been chatting about several of them. And so obviously things change. We, I mean, it's like, here we are. This is what's going on right now. After years of plateau and during the mid-2000s, there was decline in enrollment across private education. The recession, obviously, of those that era immensely influenced the ability for folks to pay. There wasn't school choice opportunities to offset some of those costs. So now what's the problem? Well, let's start with the first one. We're living in high inflation and we're living with a and a very closely associated aspect of inflation is labor costs. So the cost of the workforce and they're having to spend more money and you want to pay them to be able to spend more money on the things they need 
and you've got to figure out what you're going to do with enrollment, intuition, et cetera. If you have decided to stop growing the school, you've got to think about growing your revenues and where is that going to come from and how is that going to work out? Because that always needs to grow. It can't stay stagnant because you're going to lose your faculty and your staff and you want quality. In fact, the earmark of private education is a quality faculty and you want that quality. You want that in the classroom. That's where it all happens and that's where it needs to happen and you need to invest in that. So that's your current customers are always your best customers, as they say. Oh, my goodness. So inflation, that's kind of obvious, but it's tricky. It's problematic. And so that's something that we would discuss and we'll discuss future. And there are some approaches to how to work through that, whether you're going to grow your your enrollment overall or whether you're going to hold your enrollment steady and try to grow sources of revenue. So that's something that we can chat about down the road. But that's a certain type of threat right now. And another one is while the policy and regulation area of school choice is certainly encouraging right now, well, it changed in the last three years. And honestly, with changes of leadership and people's proclivities to vote for certain parties, et cetera, it can change back. None of that is, so to speak, written in stone. And for private schools, whether they're faith-based or secular, it's a volatile It's a volatile regulatory market, and it can change again. And so what happens to the school that has relied on all these policies that are favorable today? In five years, those policies are retracted. How did they think through that? What happens to retention as you brought it up? And so that brings us to messaging, communications, value proposition, a really, really comprehensive marketing strategy both to those who are considering your school, the external potential new customers, but also to those you already have. Because you're always, and I'm going to use straight up business terms, you're always going to be reselling. And if you're not, you should be. Right. Well put, Rich. So, of course, getting your branding and your brand story is a hot topic. And uh, part of the reason is at any point, really, you need to differentiate yourself from your competitors. And for your brand story, the story of your school is unique. And it should be known by your constituents and your students, the parents. And that way, you'll be able to have it communicated appropriately. And you might be surprised that your vision and your mission and your story might not be known by all of your constituents, might not be known by your teachers or even your director of admissions. So it's worth going through an exercise to make sure that that is called out, documented and understood well enough that it can be translated and transmitted across all channels. Yeah. Unfortunately, value is reality and perception, and you have to manage both. And if they're different, and the reason they're different is because of perception, then you have to educate and market and communicate. If the difference is because of actual quality, then you have to change and improve. And so you have to do sort of a self-audit. Why are we seen a certain way? And is it truthful? And if it is, and we need to do better, then we need to change and do better. But if it isn't, if we think we're doing pretty well, And then it's about education, communication, and that marketing. 
plan to help those constituents understand the reality of goodness that things are happening in the school. But you're exactly right. It's an interesting time to do those audits, self-assessments, a few short surveys. They can be very short and very targeted. We can help with that, I know, and help people understand how they're seen by the different constituencies, internal and external both. Those are critical. Right now, the workforce, there's a school I was made aware of this week in Iowa that's losing half their workforce, uh, private school, and they're losing it in July. And school starts in August. And there's lots of reasons for that. But one of the reasons, I mean, it's always about valuing value, value proposition and valuing where you are and the importance of what you're doing and being appropriately rewarded and compensated for that. So it's tricky. Here we are in the midst of what you and I are calling a private school moment and private schools in some cases are struggling. Oh, my goodness. And then there's others that are thriving. So Today's message was really enjoy the moment while you're thriving. And we talked last session about how you can enjoy that, shore up and strengthen the strengths and the positives, which you need to do actively. You don't want to do that passively. You talked about differentiation. Passive differentiation is the government public school system continuing to have struggle, struggle in outcomes, struggle in grades, struggle in, in achievement, struggle in behavioral sense, struggle and social engagement, struggle, struggle, struggle. Well, that's kind of passive for a private school, right? If you just sit back and let the public school do what it's doing and you don't do something as well, you passively are differentiated. But you want to be more active. You really want to you know, enhance that differentiation through your active part of messaging, communication, certainly actual performance and quality and excellence. So let's be doing that. But you also want to be preparing for the future. And you and I, Carl, have called that establishing resiliency, institutional resiliency. And we think that that working through an intentional process of internal, probably first, and then external messaging, marketing, enrollment strategies, shaping your enrollment through very carefully thought through admissions policy updates, et cetera, how you want to do it which ultimately becomes your brand. If you don't have one, you do have one, <laughs> which, you, which you talk about a lot. So if you don't have a brand, you do have a brand. And so you do have to be really, really self-aware. And then you have to be really intentional. I know we'd love to help these schools not only thrive during the moment, but also prepare for potential downside in four to five years as the normal business cycle and the normal political cycle comes back around and meets them head on. And we want them to thrive regardless. Certainly. Thank you, Rich. Yes. At a high level, you want to strike while the iron is hot. And more specifically, there's a demand that is unique. And uh, as growth professionals in any industry, capitalizing on demand is the best way to move forward. Uh, The best validation, the best opportunity to capitalize on demand. And then when there's a pain that people are experiencing that we are able to solve as professionals in private education. So really capitalize on that opportunity and be a little bit more aggressive than you might have been otherwise. And 
a good segue for how we can help. This is going to come up really fast, but we are doing a five-day enrollment challenge at the end of July and uh, beginning of August. And if you miss it, then let me know and I'll see if we can get you into the next one or if we can get you set up to check out the replay because we want you to capitalize on this and it's it's free. So we're simply doing this to help you get further ahead and to get to know our great audience better. So that right now is at help100schools.com slash challenge. And with that, I think we can segue out and let you all enjoy the rest of your day. We greatly appreciate your listening and for your work in independent education. Rich, what do you think? Good to go. I'm looking forward to that session. It's going to be a a wonderful discussion amongst professionals that are working through this moment. And I really look forward to that. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Rich. Thank you, everybody. We are grateful for your support of the Help 100 Schools movement. Thank you for listening and for showing up. Now, please help us multiply the impact by reviewing, sharing, commenting, and staying engaged with us and our mission to help 100 schools grow. The future of education is in your hands. To learn more about today's topics, how to be more involved, and how to access our free resources designed to aid in your own mission, go to help100schools.com.